Ni hao. This is Lily Pabian. Hola a todos, this is Natalia Garzón, and we'd love to welcome you to Voices of a Highway, a podcast for, with, and about the incredible people that make up Buford Highway, a multicultural community in Atlanta, Georgia. August is National Immunization Awareness Month, an annual observance to highlight the importance of vaccination for people of all ages. This is an ideal moment to reflect on what the Buford Highway communities are thinking about and feeling in relation to COVID-19 vaccination effort. Although the word vaccine has become a part of our daily language, vaccination is not new to humanity. In fact, the first vaccine, the smallpox, vaccine was invented in 1796. This month, Voices of a Highway wants to dig deeper into the feelings, stories, and journeys of local advocates that are helping our communities have access to vaccines and immunization resources. Our guest today is Alnari Gutley, Vice President of Health and Prevention with the Center for Pan-Asian Community Services, otherwise known as CPACS. Welcome, Alnari. So great to have you. Hi, thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Yes, Gutlai. Gutlai. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, and this is a question we start off with all of our interviews. Tell us a little bit about your immigrant story and your journey to Atlanta and to Buford Highway. So um, my family and I actually immigrated to the U.S. around 1997. Um, and we lived in Doraville for a couple of years with my paternal grandparents. Um, I went to Oak Cliff Elementary School, third through fifth grade. And then I went to Sequoia um, for one year before transferring to Gwinnett County. And so pretty much I, a lot of my childhood was spent in the Philippines, like half in the Philippines and half here. Um, so I grew up in the Philippines in like a farming village um, in one of the provinces. And then I lived in Palau, so a small like island near Guam um, for about two years before coming here. So that's, th that's my connection to Buford Highway. A lot of my childhood friends when I first came here, like this was the place where um, I was at learning English, you know, making new friends. Um, so it, it was my first experience of what America is. And, you know, you, you just touch a chord with me. It was a very similar, um, when we moved here, we lived on Buford Highway. I went to Carrie Reynolds. My oh. uh, sister went to Sequoia High School at the time. Okay. And um, it was, like you said, it's kind of like your, your entry point to um, – and learning about America and the customs and the cultures, but also mm. keeping a lot of ourselves in it. Um, I had to relearn English here um, because I learned it in New York mm -hmm. and I didn't understand what anyone was saying down here in the <laughs> South. <laughs> so you're, so you moved here with your parents and your, do you have yes. siblings? And Yes, I do. Um, so I'm the eldest of three. Uh, my sister, she was born in Palau, so when we came here, she was like about two years old. And then my little brother, he was born here. So all three of us were born in different places. <laughs> wow, that, that is an amazing story. So 
Let's talk immunization. Do you remember getting vaccines as a little kid? Um, and what was that experience like for you? So I used to think it was cool to get vaccinated as a kid because it meant I got stickers. <laughs> you know, like you get, you get little stickers and along with the Band-Aids. Um, but there was definitely hesitation on my end because, I mean, it was something new. It was some, it, I didn't know what it was. Other kids looked like they were in pain because they were crying. But it's also because it was the fear of not knowing what it was. Um, but I had family to reassure me that it will be okay. So with vaccines, um, growing, up, growing up in the Philippines, so in the province, like farming village regions, vaccines were a luxury and it was also a privilege. Majority of the people in the community did not go to clinics because clinics were stationed closer to cities. So you know, public transportation or walking to clinics could take hours. Um, and, you know, it also required that you need to be able to afford it. So there was a heavy reliance on healers in the areas. And because of that, a lot of people from like my childhood died from preventable infections. And I remember attending funerals yearly because death was so common at such an early age. Um, and so for me, access to vaccines, that didn't happen until later in life. And that's because we were able to move out of that life. And coming to the U.S., I remember, it, and it like jogged my memory about a couple years back, like in like the Buford Highway area, I was trying to remember, where did I get my vaccines for school? And I remember it was the CPAC's old building. Like that's where I got my vaccines that were necessary. I have, I actually have. Now I don't know if it was you might have done it actually through CPACs, right? Uh huh. Yeah. So yeah. I think we did it maybe before, right at the verge, where it, I I feel like it was a DeKalb Board of Health or something, but it was uh -huh. in the building. <laughs> I do remember. I still have the card actually. Oh really? I did. I just found it recently. Recently. Um, but, you know, you were saying about the scariness of it. You know, you were a young child um, experiencing death, um, preventable deaths, right? And at the time, nobody really knows that, right? But so you come here. What was it like in terms of, do, if you recall, your, 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 you know, your parents' trust factor when we all of a sudden had to get vaccines to go to school here? So for us, like for my parents and my family, it it was it was a trust in medicine in in Western medicine because again, there was no hesitation on their end. It was just okay, something for the kids to do to help them later on. And actually, um, I wasn't aware of it, but like growing up here, I, I would hear like friends and classmates talk about chickenpox. 
um, and what was their experience with having chicken pox. And I'm like, I have, that's never happened to me. And even with my little brother who was born here and my sister when she was two, we got vaccinated for chicken pox. Um, so no one in my family ever got the chicken pox. And so I, I thought, oh, that's interesting. I thought we would get it because it's like everyone's getting it. But no, it's because we got vaccinated. So even through all of our exposure, we never got it. So it tells you that vaccines are effective and they're not just giving it to you randomly just because it's someone is deeming it to be a necessity or someone is mandating it randomly. Yeah, you know, when you talk about this, the uh, chicken pox and, and that's what um, the Delta virus has been compared to in terms of mm. its contagiousness, right? Mm -hmm. um, I do remember uh, having chicken pox and I do recall it passing, you know, um, from cousins to cousins because all mm. we hung out with was really our cousins. You know, mm. This is before we moved down here, but we had it in New York and all of us got it. And I just remember my mother saying she just sat and sobbed because she mm. didn't know what to do because everyone is scratching and crying. And mm. it's a pretty, it's a pretty intense virus. Mm. Um, but that level, um, you know, of that contagion is what we are all, you know, dealing with now. And it's, mm. it, it is a very scary place, but I think to your point, you know, this, there is no sort of other all, motive other than for us to be able to coexist um you know so speaking of this 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 time that we're in so just unprecedented what has this past year taught you about vaccines mm -hmm. um you know specifically you know tell us a little bit actually what the work that you do at cpacs and and how that correlates um, yeah so vaccines save lives uh vaccines work and for me with with my work here at cpax i didn't realize how controversial it will be in the us um like whether or not to get vaccinated like my whole assumption from the beginning was that people would be fighting each other for access to the vaccines and and i saw a little bit of that where um, so part of my work is also um, overseeing our domestic violence program here at CPAC. So we have a small shelter where we provide um, a safe shelter for women and children fleeing from domestic violence. And when we had that time where we weren't able to allow to go to work um, and places were shutting down, our shelter had to remain open. Um, so you know, we provide service 24 hours, seven days a week. So there's no holidays uh, or breaks for our staff. And we had to remain open despite the pandemic. And so I, I thought, okay, I really need to advocate for my staff to get access to the vaccines, um, especially since they were working in direct contact with clients, but then they had to go back home to their children or their um, elderly parents or grandparents. And the vaccine itself was very much in limited supply. And, you know, there was that tier where, um, you know, if you, if you fell under that, then you would, or if you would fall under that, then you would get access. And so it took time before my staff were able to get access. And I, we were heavily advocating 
And when it finally came and everyone was happy, but then when it became accessible to everyone, I realized there was a lot of hesitation and a lot of reluctance. And I, I was not expecting that. Again, um, and, and I talked to one of our uh, providers at our health center, and she was telling me how technically um, when it comes to like getting vaccinated, what she's seen is within the AAPI uh, communities, we're actually quite open to getting vaccinated. Um, but there's just something about COVID-19 where we're a little bit more hesitant um, compared to how we are towards other vaccinations. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I feel the same way, I guess, because it was so much on the line for this vaccine. There was so much hope for it and everyone, oh and uh, like you, you, you think that it would be just a no brainer, right? That mm -hmm. everyone would get it. Um, do you feel like this has been a result of, you know, just politicizing this? I mean, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's been really hard to see that is that, mm -hmm. you know, we all talk about politics and some of us are closer into it than others. And, um, but there's always been that sort of place where you're like, okay, I, I'm going to do the best though and be realistic as much as I can, you know, and trust science because that's something that, you know, Western culture has always been known for is the advances in science. Mm -hmm. And um, like you said, when we were young, we trusted it too. And there really wasn't a question. Um, mm -hmm. If we wanted to be in the school systems, then you had to get your shot. And that's just kind of how it was. So I hear you on a lot of those and it, and it can be, it, it has been very emotional. Um, you know, I mean, how, how has it been for your like immediate family? Were, were all of them on board? Yes, yeah. actually we've been fortunate. Um, so no one in my immediate family um, got COVID so far and everyone wanted to get vaccinated and like they were eager to get vaccinated uh, and in fact they were asking me so well you know when can we do you know which clinics are providing it like when can we go what is the earliest we could go um so that that was a no-brainer for the family um because i i think for my mom especially because she has like family still in the philippines and and with the cases of COVID-19 going up and she's seeing that her other family members are having a hard time accessing um, vaccines. And so for her to not take that, she just felt wrong. And um, last year, towards the end of the year, my maternal grandma passed um, and, and she was in the Philippines and, and she she was having respiratory issues, um, but she could not go to the hospital because hospitals were turning away seniors with, res with respiratory problems. So they couldn't even check her um, because they felt that it could be COVID without even testing her. So there's a lack of access and lack of resources. So for my mom to see that elsewhere, and then when there's a resource here for her, she, it just, she did not feel 
that she could pass it on, especially with with the vaccine. It doesn't only affect you, it affects everyone around you. I'm sorry to hear you about your grandmother. Um, it, it's tough, you know, I, I think I've, I've shared with the communities about my father passing from this virus and it was, you know, August of last year. And, you know, I really tried to, try to tell people how horrific this illness really is. And I think that more and more, we, I mean, we've been hearing these stories, but I think Delta has been accelerating everything and we're seeing different age groups. We're not seeing things that in our heads we thought, oh, only old people or whatever. We're seeing of all ages and it's it's not discriminate. It's not, a, there's no discriminations with this disease at all. Um, but when we talk about access, you know, what do you see as, you know, in different, in, in, in other countries, it, access means something else. What do you think it means in this country? So I think access means um, reduced barriers to resources. So, and I think that's universal. Um, access means that there aren't any challenges, you know, just because something is available uh, in this particular building does not mean that everyone will have full access to it. It could be transportation barriers. It could be language barriers. Um, and, and that's also one of the things that I want to touch on. Um, but this is more geared towards service providers. It's sometimes when we think about, oh, this is a no-brainer, um, people should understand that this is good for you, just take it. Um, I think sometimes we forget to take the time to understand why, why there is hesitancy or reluctance in the community, especially, you know, towards people that we're trying to convince. Like, for some, the vaccine has truly created a divide amongst family and friends. Um, sometimes there is fear or trauma. It's it's like being forced to do something or told to do something that you aren't entirely sure of. So it's it's having blind faith, and that isn't something that's easy to do, because especially for someone who doesn't understand the language. So you know how why should I trust you? And all you're saying is that it's good for me while I'm hearing other things from my community and they're explaining to me like in, in better ways how the vaccine is affecting other people. So it's, it's, it's hard. Um, so that's why language is, is important. Um, just because access is there does not mean that it's easy for others to get there. I think you hit the nail on the head. Access you know, from our experience of doing these mobile events, um, you know, trying to get, trying to break down some of these barriers um, and really broaden access in through methodologies that, again, seeing it on the other person's side or in their place or in their shoes. Because over this past weekend, we helped, we hosted the um, the food giving event, CPACs, um, you know, did the vaccines and. One of the things that we, uh, a story that hit my, my head was um, 
seeing one of our volunteers hold somebody's baby. And I said, what, what, did you have a baby <laughs> during this event? And she turns around, she's like, no, I talked to, I, I talk to the mom, you know, and, and she's getting the shot. And I am holding the baby for her. And, you know, she says that this particular woman was from Guatemala. And she's like, you know, they really do have such a different perspective, even of where, well, you know, the news is coming out of Guatemala. Those are where, where she connects to. That's her news source or her information source. And, you know, language is, is, is always, I think people underestimate the power of language or the necessity of language because language is about interpretation. And, and, and you're able to very quickly hear something and assess it if it's truly a, something you trust or not trust. But when it's not your language, you really don't have that benchmark. And so you're kind of like taking it for face value, but it works against what's what's in your head and your heart. And there's no fault on either side of the fence, right? It's just a reality that we have to work through. And, you know, from a service provider's perspective, absolutely. that. Make, it, it expands our minds, that's for sure, but it, it also requires us to work with like bigger hearts too, mm -hmm. that it's not just a black and white cut and dry thing. Um, it's something we have to, it's almost like peeling back layers of onions. I don't know if you've experienced that. Like every case is so, um, every case require every human, every person requires that sort of um, investment, that level of investment mm -hmm. um, and, and relationship. Um, so what do you wish we could talk about in relation to vaccines that we as advocates, like we don't get to always address? And maybe we touched a little bit on this, but like um, what are things that, if we could just say what we wanted to say, <laughs> um, but what, what would that so as I mentioned before, there's a lot of controversies surrounding um, COVID-19 vaccines. So it's okay for us as humans to question. It's okay for us to have a little bit of mistrust. And that's why we're so connected. Like we have the internet, we have all these resources, we have sources. Like if there are questions or information um, that you have or aren't sure of and, and you want to look them up, yes, please, you know, but look look at unbiased, reputable sources. Um, and unbiased means, you know, it's not it's not pointing you towards one side, but it's providing you with facts. Um, sometimes we as individuals, when we search for answers through places, like we we answer, we search through answers through places where we know we will get something that we already agree with. Um, so if I if I have mistrust in the vaccine, I'm not even going to realize it, but I'm going to be looking through sites, websites, or sources that are telling me, yeah, it's bad for you, and and that just reaffirms like what I believe in. I'm just going to be like, see, I was right, but I should also take the time to look at the other side. Um, because if we're going to be questioning something, then I think it's really important to look at two different perspectives. Um, don't just easily get swayed 
into one like into into one side just because it's it, that's what you already believe in um and the science does not lie like nothing is a hundred percent but it's it's the science like you want numbers you want statistics to to show you to prove to you that something isn't working or something does and um and that's what I want to emphasize. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to have to have doubts. But look at the right sources. Um, don't just, I've seen it. Uh, don't fall into the YouTube rabbit hole. Um, you know, where you're just continuously looking at the same thing. And then, oh, like the algorithm is telling you that this is what you like to look at. So it's going to give you more like YouTube videos that that will support that view. Um, if we can take the time to read at things that we already agree with, look at the other side and see what it has to say. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, our tendency also is to feed into other people's fears. You know, when, when we talk about word of mouth, um, us as humans, that's, I mean, what Google and, and all these <laughs> groups have made um, businesses out of that, right? Just reviewing and word of mouth and da da da. We be, sometimes I say we become so connected that we are actually disconnected. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and, and, I, and the sad part is, is us being like, we're chipping away from being even connected to, to some level of reality. You know, it's, it's like, it's really disconnecting us from that. Um, but you know, I, I hear a lot from even my mother's friends, you know, folks that are try to talk my mother out of getting the vaccine, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that to me is a dangerous thing. You know, you, mm -hmm. um, other family members, um, that do not believe in the vaccine, they don't want it, but yet they're putting their views onto others. And I think that that is, um, just personally, I think that's awful. That, that, that's a pretty uh, dangerous um, power there. Oh, definitely. I, and I also want to say that with, with the vaccine, I, I know some people are also saying, oh, well, I met someone or I know someone who got vaccinated, but they still got COVID. So that's how strong and powerful the Delta variant is. Um, however, if you look at the statistics, you see that people... Like the very few people um, who are uh, vaccinated and they do get COVID, they don't get so sick to the point that they need to be hospitalized. And, and that's the other level of protection that the vaccines offer is instead of sending you to the hospital, you get, a, you get sick for a couple of days and then you're able to recover because it's helping your body do that. So yes, the vaccines aren't 100% um, going to prevent you from getting COVID, especially with the new variants. However, it's saving you from getting hospitalized. And hospitals right now, like the increase in numbers, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's mainly um, occupied by individuals who are unvaccinated. And for example, for me, uh, like about a month ago, I had dinner with a group of friends and we were all vaccinated. And within that group, uh, we realized one person got COVID and um, that person got sick for a couple of days, but then the rest of us we were fine. We got tested a week 
um, a week after exposure and then another week after just to make sure. And we didn't. And so it's telling you, yes, there are very few minimal breakthrough cases. Um, but then those who do viewed, um, you know, when people are, are basing their judgment on either a personal view or fears, or whatever, they tend to immediately look at, we'll see mm -hmm. that person got sick. Well, mm -hmm. yes. So we almost need to start off conversations with, yes, you're going to get, you probably will get COVID, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you will not, uh, you know, beat at that level uh, and at the mercy of an oxygen tank or an intubator, all of that stuff in a hospital setting where you're probably going to be alone. Mm -hmm. um, now, you know, with this, the recent FDA approval, finally, which is what we've all been sort of clinging to this. Do you feel like this is going to be a game changer? I'm hoping. <laughs> um, you know, I I really hope that people see that. Um, so it's we'll, we'll see how that goes, but this is telling you that it got the full approval it went through trials and it got approved so i i'm really hoping again science i think because of our experience in the past couple of years where we saw um politics get in the way of science um at times but at its core science is supposed to be free of politics. Um, science is there to help people. It's not there to harm people. Um, and again, this is about the community as a whole. It's, it's not just one individual. Like you not getting vaccinated, it affects everyone around you. And it's, we're not trying to say that people who are unvaccinated are selfish but you have to look at the greater impact that that's having. Absolutely. And in the end, um, we all just want to get out of this alive mm -hmm. and we want things to get back to normal. Um, that's been a, it, it's been a lot of stress on a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's time to ring the bell. I think we're done. <laughs> mm -hmm. Get the vaccine, get your shots. Uh, and we will be uh, posting some resources because we know that CP Cosmos, your health, the health center does, uh, you guys are doing the Moderna and the Johnson and Johnson. Yes. Is yeah. that right? Um, I believe so. Yeah. And so we've got other community um, advocates such as LCF and LAA also doing and committed to this mission and this, just this emergency of, of making sure that uh, we move that needle in terms of the number of um, jabs. Yeah. Well, I want to. Yeah. Vaccines are accessible at all pharmacies as well. So, um, regardless of the clinic, like it is accessible and it is free. Um, it is free and accessible to everyone. You do not need a social security number. You, you don't need any of that. You just need to show up. 
Amen to that. Thank you so much, Henri. Um, we this is the final question. We wrap this up with all of our interviews. What is something you have been loving recently and you'd like to share with our listeners? So something that I've been doing recently, uh, puzzles. <laughs> I've I've never done that. <laughs> um, but I I had I have these um puzzles that I got from Japan like five years ago. Um, and one is Totoro, which is this character, like this movie um, from Studio Ghibli. And I got this box. I carried it in my carry-on, but it's been five years and I haven't opened it. And so finally I decided to, and that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm finishing that puzzle. That is awesome. I hear so many people pick up hobbies during this time. And I think that at the core of us as humans, we want to protect our emotional states. We have an innate innate instinct to survive. And um, I think people doing it through hobbies and creative outlets is just been really helpful and very um, inspiring. And I, I look forward to those stories being told after we get out of this pandemic. Um, Thank you so much, Alnari, for joining us today. Immunization is such an important activity and in some places requirements to how societies coexist and stay healthy. We hope our listeners continue to spread awareness through the real voices of our communities. Everybody, please stay safe. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, we'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Voices of a Highway. It was a pleasure sharing these stories with you today. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and share our podcast too with your friends and family. If you'd like to stay up to date with our work, follow us at We Love Buhai on all social media platforms. And if you'd like to further support our oral history and arts and culture programs, please consider donating at welovebuhai.org slash donate. Gracias.